the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report. Thank you for being here. Those of you that are watching on Periscope, I appreciate that too. And you can always go to at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin on Periscope. You'll see the first segment of the show, What You Need to Know, right there. And uh, great to be together. Uh, there's a lot to talk about today, and I, I'll get to some of it later. We'll get to some of it tomorrow. I think I'll have an interview with one of General Flynn's lawyers tomorrow. You know, there's new filings. You should just know this. Uh, General Flynn has the best lawyers ever, and they don't mess around. So what a mandamus filing, which is what they did, is up to the Court of Appeals and mandamus, mand, command. It's a Latin root saying, tell them to do something. And uh, command is the sort of basis. Command comes from the same root. So a mandamus is basically asking the court to tell, uh, asking the higher court to tell Judge Sullivan let the case go, cut it out, cut the junk. Don't do this other stuff. Don't all just, and actually I think what the, the, what the general Flynn uh, lawyers asked for is tell him to allow the prosecutor in the defense to say no more fighting. It's over. Tell the judge to uh, give the case over to a new judge and also tell the judge to judge Sullivan to not do this weird kangaroo court thing where he puts Judge Flynn and the Department of Justice on the sidelines and allows his old friends to grandstand for political points. So big filing. We'll get to that um, uh, later in the show a little. Excuse me a little bit, but we'll also uh, get to it tomorrow. I think I'll have one of their lawyers on. But watch that. It's good news. I mean, they're fighting back and they're going to win. Flynn's going to win. Don't worry. It's just taking far too long, but we'll get there. And then in a few moments, we'll talk with Dr. Jerome Corsi, Jerry Corsi, great writer, prolific writer, 25 books since 2014. Amazing. And um, we'll also talk uh, to Alex Newman, great guy at the new, uh, excuse me, the new American.com, extraordinary writer, Alex Newman, great speaker too. Uh, his, his, his real sweet spot is education on how the education system is failing. Um, it's uh, really, really good. In fact, I'm looking across my desk here in my office to, I usually have his book in front of me. I must have, it must, I mean, right at eye level in my, in my um, bookshelf, which means if it's not right where I'm looking, then it must be either on my desk or on my bedside table as I read it every now and then it's called crimes of the educators really great all right uh, but let's get to what you need to know because i need you to i need to understand this i got a short first segment it's all about china and as i've told you the pledge of allegiance is coming back because it's so awesome 31 words the heart of our country unites us together for decades and decades we've been saying it we added god to it in the 1950s it's like the only part of america's civic life that's added god the set the, the, the under were under god was added those two words so it's awesome and it's a great way to unite us. It puts us together. It brings us together. It kind of hardens our belief system together. It's important. It's really great. And here's the thing. There's a reason why people say the Pledge of Allegiance. There's a reason why we play the National Anthem. You, you build a sort of uh, a kind of sense of community. Well, the Wall Street Journal has now twice in 10 days had a piece in the paper that says, don't think of the problems with China as a Cold War. China's really a good group. 
And what the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street money and the big business in the world and the country are doing and the media is joining in is trying to condition you and me to believe China's not so bad, but they are so bad. They really are bad. It's a communist regime that's killing Muslim Uyghurs, persecuting Christians, Protestants and Catholics alike, mistreating the people uh, of the Fulan Gong faith, whatever, however you call their faith, they have a religious uh, sensibility of what they do, and they're being persecuted. And then they steal our technology, they steal our patents, they steal our technology, they force tech transfer, they send fentanyl to our country, they steal our military secrets, they are a- actively against us, and... They've just devastated our economy with this uh, China, Chinese virus, the Wuhan Chinese virus. So, and they hid that they, you know, they hid it from us. They lied to us. They misled. They had the WHO mislead. And we'll talk in a few minutes to uh, Alex Newman about that. President Trump sent a letter to the WHO saying, you know, we're not going to be rolling over it for you guys. Yeah, look, what you need to know now is that it is a second Cold War. There's only one choice. There's only one way to look at this. We win, you lose. Ronald Reagan captured it. You know, the Russian people weren't the problem. It was Soviet communism. The Chinese people aren't the problem. Insofar as they're the problem, it's because they've signed on to a communist regime. I mean, we don't speak ill of other people, but we do describe with clarity the regime and what they're doing. You don't have to go far to understand that China is a really bad actor. It's a really bad. It's not someone we can have a sort of better deal with and all. And here's the problem. The Wall Street Journal on May 7th, it's Richard Haas, the head of the Council of Foreign Relations. He says, oh, no, no, no. Second Cold War. Big deal. Big article. The 19th of May. Robert Zolik, George W. Bush, trade representative, George H.W. Bush, senior uh, deputy chief of staff on his staff, uh, an establishment Republican, head of the World Bank. He says today, oh, no, 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 no Cold War. Don't use it. Don't don't use the language of Cold War. I mean, these, these are good people. These are, there's diplomatic uh, progress happening. No, no, no. You cannot negotiate with people who don't believe in truth. They don't believe in God. I don't mean to convert them. I'm not interested in converting them. I mean, I'm I'm interested in them being converted, but I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about you try to make a deal with the devil. It doesn't go well. That's the reality. And what you need to know is it is a cold war with China. It's not going to be a warm war. It's not going to be a, a soft relationship. It's not going to get better. The truth is that the Chinese regime and the Chinese nation is against us profoundly because their choices, their system is not compatible with us. So don't be, don't be um, brainwashed by the Wall Street Journal's drumbeat of, oh, no second Cold War, these are good folks, because they're going to get left and right and this and that. And the reason why they're doing it is they want the money, they want the access, and they want the action. And we want our nation back. That's what you need to know. All right, we'll take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk with Dr. Jerome Corsi. Dr. Corsi is, of course, a best-selling author. We'll talk to him about what's happening. And we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. One of my uh, good friends, a guy who has been one of the featured speakers at our Eagle Council events, Eagle Forum events, is uh, is our great friend Alex Newman. And I was looking up his stuff. At, you go to the, thenewamerican.com. You see a lot of his writings, and he's there. Although one of the pieces I got for you, Alex, recently was this interview over at um, the uh, uh, VCY America, which was a piece that jumped out at me, and I so that was great. You're mixing it up there. We have great Eagle leaders up in Wisconsin, and uh, they listen to Jim Schneider's program. So, first of all, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Well, it's good to have you. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, the the book that I always talk about, and it's right in front of me across the way on my shelf, is is the book Crimes of the Educators. And I just can't, I can't recommend it enough because I believe in it. I've read it a couple times, but also the late Phyllis Schlafly, she thought it was an extraordinary book. So that's one of your, that's, that's a fe- one feather in your cap. But so, Alex, before we get into where we are with the kind of uh, the COVID-19 tyranny, which is the title of the exchange with you and, you and Jim Schneider, give me an update on education. Um, you know, you've been writing on education, that book, of course, Crimes of the Educators. How is this uh, shutdown quarantine thing uh, changing the dynamic? Do you, are you seeing much yet? Will it be a long term thing in terms of people realizing they can have a better education for their kids? What give me give me your thoughts on where we are? Yeah, there's several huge developments on this front, Ed, and we just put a cover story in The New American about this called The Coronavirus Opens Eyes to Homeschooling. And so you have a huge number of people. Polls indicate that anywhere from 15 to 40 percent of parents who have children in public schools right now are considering pulling their kids out and and doing homeschooling full-time. So that is incredible news. Uh, A lot of parents for the first time are seeing the filth that their children are being exposed to. They're seeing the dumbed-down curriculum. They're seeing the fake history, and they're outraged. Uh, and then on the flip side, in those districts that didn't really do the you know government school at home thing, uh, parents are trying out regular homeschooling, and they're saying, "Whoa, this is fun, and the kids are happy, and they're learning, and we can do field trips." And wait, okay, well, why weren't we doing this before? So we have these two incredible developments that I think is going to boost the homeschooling movement like we've never seen before. But then on the flip side, you have the establishment coming in. And they're bragging about this now. In fact, the World Economic Forum, the globalist group that meets in Davos every year, uh, they just had a piece bragging about how this was going to cause permanent changes in public education, that we were going to move more and more toward uh, sidelining teachers and, and basically having them just supervise kids doing uh, you know, exercises on their laptops and their tablets involving artificial intelligence. And, uh, you know, this is, I think, a, a very frightening dynamic because the morality of the teachers has been one of the things that's restrained some of the more extreme indoctrination efforts. So there's really good news, and then there's some troubling news, and I think we need to really focus on this education front because big things are happening. Yeah, we're talking, and we're talking with Alex Newman. And Alex, I guess the thing I want to challenge you on is how do you, you know, and you've you've been in this field for you know decades. How do we galvanize uh, the the f- concern? And, and I know there's a million dollar question or a hundred million dollar billion dollar question, because it feels like people, like you said, are taking a look and they need some uh, they need something to run towards, you know, and, and it's obviously not. You know, Betsy DeVos's education department. It's just not, you know, it's not it's not the right kind of reform vehicle. It's not reliable, you know, all the things. But but a lot of people are, you know, what it feels like is the education establishment. Again, Alex Newman, his book is uh, Crimes of the Educators. You read that and you realize their 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 plan 
includes these kind of uh, the ability to hold us hostage and feels like right now everybody's frustrated. That's true. I, I can tell you private school parents are frustrated with their private schools, public school pri- uh, frustrated with their public schools. Everyone that's in a way that's good. Now, what do we do to steer it? Because feels like you're not going to have a choice in three months or four months and we're going to be stuck with the same choices. Is there any any encouragement you can give? Yeah, that, that is a big problem. In fact, the, the education establishment is already coming up with plans to wage war on homeschoolers here. In fact, at Harvard University, yeah. a Harvard law professor yeah. teamed up with a law professor from William & Mary to do this conference. It ended up being postponed now, but they're actually calling for the government to presumptively ban home education. So basically, the, the default is, no, you're not allowed to homeschool. Uh, that is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a very significant risk going forward. And, you know, they recognize, I think, that there's going to be an exodus from the public school system. They're very concerned about it. You have major conservative leaders talking about this. President Trump in his State of the Union speech said we should be uh, saving our children from the failing government schools. Uh, Franklin Graham now has urged parents in New Jersey to pull their children out of government schools because of the LGBT indoctrination. Uh, you had Rush Limbaugh recently advocate for parents to pull their children out of public schools. So there's, there's a, a sign seismic shift in public opinion. In fact, just today, um, the leader of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, put out a phenomenal piece on the FRC's blog advocating for parents to consider homeschooling. So public opinion, especially Mm. among conservatives and Christians, is shifting in a dramatic way, and we need to be prepared for the counterattack that the education establishment is going to wage. It's going to be vicious. It's going to be ferocious, and we'll probably see the beginnings of that as soon as we start coming out of this lockdown. We're talking with Alex Newman, and again, you need to go to the 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 newamerican.com and follow Alex and uh, get signed up for their headlines as well as uh, for their magazine. It's uh, it's very valuable. All right, let's move into this conversation you had, which caught my eye because uh, with Jim Schneider over there, our friend, he's a great guy and a, g- a great interviewer at the, uh, on the uh, VCY America r- radio program. And the phrase that he used on there was the tyranny, COVID nineteen tyranny. Alex, I, I guess. You've seen a lot of this. You've seen a lot of encroachment on people's rights over the years, you know, whether it's uh, civil liberties, you know, and and the government intrusion. In this case, I I, I care less about the tyranny now than I care about the mindset to get us out of it and move forward. And, you know, it's one thing for sort of patriots and kind of the Tea Party folks to say, that's it, I've had enough. But we've got to bring along our neighbors who've been scared witless by CNN and everybody else, right? I mean, this is a really funny moment where people are, 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 are acquiescing out of fear and, and telling them, don't be stupid, you're afraid, isn't exactly the most effective thing. I've tried it on a couple of my neighbors. So how do we move ahead? How do we move forward? Yeah, and, and you know, I, I've been really troubled, uh, not so much by the government doing what government does, which is always try to assume new powers and steal more liberties and take more money, right. and you know, that's what government does. Right. You should expect it, like a rabid dog. Uh, but I've been really disappointed to see so many Americans who should know better falling for this. And, and I think that's the real tragedy, and it goes right back to the education system. Uh, we're now several generations into this kind of conditioning, right, to, to view the state as, as our God, as our parent, as our protector, as our provider. You know, now they're giving us all stimulus checks and, you know, just solidifying this idea that our relationship with the government should be as one of, you know, the government is supreme and we're just vassals to be controlled and, and coddled by the state. So it's a really troubling mindset. And I think this coronavirus hysteria 
laid it all bare. I mean, we can see it. Now, there is a bright side. I think huge numbers of Americans are realizing now that we've been uh, completely deceived. And I think Donald Trump has just played this about as well as he could have. I mean, just today's announcement that he was on hydroxychloroquine, I think that was a bigger blow to the establishment narrative than we can even imagine. I mean, this was huge for a lot of reasons. Uh, his his stance today and yesterday about the farms. You know, this is a huge topic. I think the establishment has been trying to exploit this, and Trump has been one step ahead. And we saw the same thing with the World Health Organization. But it's really, you know, right. to try to get ourselves out of this mess, we're going to have to rebuild the American mindset of independence and limited government. And that's going to be a very long-term project, but it's absolutely essential. You know, that's it is... Um I kind of feel like the president, you know, some of some of the people who are critical of where, how we got to this moment, I get it. But I think the president has sort of, uh, again, navigated almost as well as he could. Right. And it, 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 the size and scope of the swamp is so big. And I think he said, OK, if you're telling me it's that bad a deal, uh, uh, you know, this is two months ago, I, I'm listening to you. And I think then he was like, OK, wait a second, we got to plow out of this. But he also I hate to say I hate to be quoting Rahm Emanuel too frequently, but President Trump knows Okay, the crisis. I know we're having a problem, but he's he's cutting more regulations. He's you know, there's a letter out today or just a few hours ago. Maybe it was late yesterday. His letter to uh, Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization and and his tweet about it was it's self-explanatory. Like we're we're not going for this anymore. Um, It's pretty extraordinary. I mean, it's a real breathtaking uh, moment if we can keep the momentum. But as you say, it's a mindset thing for our fellow Americans. It is. And, you know, I, I, I've been so pleased with the things Trump has been doing and saying in recent weeks. He also made clear that we weren't going to be doing mandatory vaccines. You know, he was crystal clear. Some people don't want it, and that's okay. That's, I mean, that's, you know, where we need to be as freedom-loving, constitution-respecting, individual rights-supporting Americans. And, and I agree with you. You know, in, in the first few weeks, I think the hysteria, the paranoia, a lot of people around Trump were telling him, you know, these stupid models that Bill Gates was funding, saying that millions of people were going to be dropping dead like flies everywhere. And so everybody kind of got a little freaked out. And I think Trump uh, might have fallen for this like many of us did. But I think, you know, this World Health Organization uh, scandal is just such a perfect illustration of how Trump is using this crisis not to advance tyranny like Rahm Emanuel and Obama and these others would have, but to really try to roll back the clock uh, accomplish some incredibly important victories against globalism for America first, just like he promised on the campaign trail. And I was just thrilled, like you can't imagine, to see this letter to the WHO. Uh, it's way past time for us to get out of this disgraceful institution. And, uh, you know, there's no other president that I can think of, with the possible exception of Rand Paul, who was running in 2016, who would have done anything close to this. If we had been under Hillary Clinton, the WHO now would oh. be, you know, the global health <laughs> ministry. So... Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right about that. All right, I got to run, unfortunately. It goes too fast. Alex Newman, come on again real soon. It's uh, thenewamerican.com, thenewamerican.com. Go there and check out uh, not only Alex uh, and his work there, but a lot of great folks are writing there. So appreciate it very much, Alex. We'll talk again soon. Thank you so much, Ed. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. It's been a while since we've talked to our, my old friend, uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi. Jerry Corsi was a great friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly. She would often talk of his books and write about them. He's had 25 books he's written since 2004. Uh, best-selling author. I think he's had six on the New York Times best-selling list. Uh, two number one bestsellers. And if you go to Corsi Nation, you'll see a lot of what he's up to there. And he's the uh, CEO of that uh, effort, which has, has got a lot more than just his writings, although that would be enough. So first of all, welcome, Dr. Corsi. How are you, sir? Uh, great, Ed. It's good to be back with you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be with you. So first, let me ask you, as, a, as an astute observer and an author on a lot of a political and, you know, sort of government um, uh, efforts over these decades, the last month or two and this uh, the Flynn situation and what we've uncovered and what's been declassified, uh, I mean, what are your observations? I mean, it's just a stunning stuff, isn't it? Well, I, I've, you know, I guess I've written three books and Killing a Deep State in 2018, <laughs> yeah. my ordeal with Mueller was silent no more, my current book, Coup d'etat. I think my current book about sums it up. I think we are learning that the uh, Obama, and Obama personally, I believe, directed the coup d'etat and Hillary was involved in it in an attempt to make sure that Donald Trump never became president. And then when he did become president to remove him from office on a pretext. The entire Russian collusion was a hoax. Uh, I think it's one of the most scandalous and tragic incidents in American history. And we are now finding out and additionally that our Justice Department, our FBI, are corrupt and politically weaponized. And uh, I think criminal organizations that in fact are capable of treason. This is shocking information. And I think it's taken a while for the American people to get their minds around it. But with recent revelations, General Flynn's case, uh, we have now acting attorney, Gen uh, attorney, I'm sorry, acting director of national intelligence, Richard Grinnell, who has forced mm -hmm. Barr, William Barr, attorney general, to make some revelations, which have been just shocking uh, in terms of the footnotes from the Horowitz report that the Steele dossier was known to be Russian disinformation aimed at destroying Donald Trump. That Barr wasn't releasing that information. And most recently, the names of those who had unmasked General Flynn, which include Joe Biden. This is shocking. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to... Well. Tell it's you, it's I mean, funny. I should have said it. Yeah. <laughs> I should have said it differently because we're talking with uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi and I should have said it differently because I should have said you've been talking about this for years, but even you might be surprised that it's finally coming to light. I mean, as you point out, just a few months ago, coup d'etat, uh, Jerry Corsi's book, which is exposing deep state treason and the plan to reelect President Trump uh, was, was published. And I think it was Post Hill Press. And I, you've been writing about this topic, the deep state for a long time. And even but even you, we're now seeing that Obama was telling the FBI deputy director Sally Yates about what they were doing. In other words, it wasn't even being run by the FBI. It was being run by the White House. I mean, it, it, and that's clear now. So now my next question is for Jerry Corsi in your in your life now, you've never maybe you didn't expect that we'd see it all. But will somebody be held accountable? I mean, is the swamp going to win again? Well, and I, Ed, I've also been on this case since. 2008, when I wrote Abomination and said to everybody that Obama is right. not who you think he is. He's a socialist. Right. And he is, his background doesn't fit together. It looks like a CIA legend. Uh, I think I'm also tweeting these days on Barr because I'm very disappointed in Barr, who seems to be trying to preserve the institution of the Department of Justice, uh, that he is not 
proceeding more accurately. So I'm tweeting, Salvin, today is 460 days since he took the office of attorney general. I'm counting down. I'm saying 460 days and still no indictments. And tomorrow will be 461 days and no indictments. I wonder how many days I'm going to have to go until we have an indictment. Yeah, it is. Um, I will say this is, I, you know, I try to tell someone even among the good guys and good guys and gals that are out there that are that if they're part of this system, the, it's, it's a little bit like the mandamus. You know, earlier today, General Flynn's lawyers filed a mandamus. It goes up to the Court of Appeals. And you would think the Court of Appeals judges would be serious, smart people. They go, well, that's not right. The judge should just let this case go. But there's a kind of a dishonor. I don't I mean, I'm honor among thieves, you know, a dishonor. They kind of protect the institution because it's where they live and breathe. Right. So they so they're really they're willing to challenge each other periodically, but they're not actually willing to gut the institution. And, and, and that must be part of your fear. Right. Is that that, you know, yeah, everybody's willing to pick at the edges, but they're not really willing to knock the building down. You know, a bar is going to indict some secretary down the hall and say it was all her fault. You know, the, right. they, they already passed on indicting McCabe once or twice, saying, you know, they, mm-hmm. we couldn't prove he intended to lie. Well, that's ridiculous. Of course he intended to lie. He lied. And right. uh, it, it and he did it repeatedly. And this, I think, you know, the institution of the Department of Justice finally decide uh, may not be fixable since the days of J. Edgar Hoover. If I'd go out with his boyfriend in the track out in California and lose on the horses, the mob wouldn't make him pay his debts. He came back and testified that there was no mob in America, the Congress, mm. and then he began mm-hmm. investigating a blackmail file on Martin Luther King, a great American hero mm-hmm. who was ex- absolutely disgraceful. That's the, that's the FBI. And I'm sorry all right. this Efren Zimbalist Jr. stuff. And I, I've seen the FBI from the inside. I'll tell you, these are the criminals who are running the justice system. And I've named them. Yeah. You know, Zelensky, Jeannie Rhee. Uh, the whole bunch of them, um, Weissman, I'm totally in agreement with Sidney Powell uh, that uh, this is corruption, which is so deep. By the Beltway Group, which has, I think, become this new world order crowd, hard leftist socialists, many of them communists, and, and basically uh, don't believe in the United States anymore. I mean, I think it is so bad. First of all, I think we've got to have indictments because American people need to know, and President Trump said and has repeatedly said you can't have two standards of justice one for hillary clinton the democrats and one for all of us who believe in god and president trump in the united states of america we have to go to prison now general flynn mm-hmm. if Barr were doing his job he'd get on you know the ball here and take this directly to the supreme court because first of all you've got judge sullivan who now is following obama's instructions wants to bring another prosecutor. In his court, he's going to charge Flynn with perjury. Well, the judge is not an investigative body. He can't bring an indictment. So the judge wants, Judge Sullivan wants to bring an indictment, then he wants to to declare uh, Flynn guilty, then he wants to sentence Flynn, and and he wants to do amicus briefs. Well, the attorney uh, Barr should take this to the Supreme Court because, first of all, a judge does not have the power to do an indictment. And number two, the um, Supreme Court in a 7-0 decision recently has said that amicus briefs could be misused, and this is a bad case of misusing them. And a bar should take this immediately to the Supreme Court, forget the Court of Appeals, and ask the Supreme Court to rule on this. And I think the President of the United States would win hands down. 
It is. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi, best-selling author, and uh, and uh, his uh, newest book, which is called "Coup d'État: Exposing Deep State Treason and the Plan to Reelect President Trump." Let me ask you about that, Jerry. Um, you again, you've seen a lot of history, a lot of politics. What's happening now in this country? Uh, you know, we're we're what 150, 175 days away from an election. It, you know, you start to in, in politics. The late Phyllis Schlafly, your great friend, used to say, "You can tell a lot about um, you know uh, candidates, a uh, people." Excuse me, uh, leaders based on campaigns and candidates, but I don't know. Can, what's where are we headed in this election? Can you see or feel it yet? What's your sense of the the, the, the political ramifications of this time? Well, I think the Democrats are a complete train wreck. Uh, they're down to Joe Biden. Joe Biden's got. First of all, I'm not sure he's mentally competent any longer. He looks like he's got some form of dementia. That's sad, but it looks like it's apparent. Uh, secondly, uh, he's got enormous problems with his son in Ukraine, and himself and his son in China. Uh, those are going to dog the Democratic Party. Uh, Barack Obama has just about said openly that he, he wants Pocahontas, he wants Elizabeth Warren. He's never supported Joe Biden for president. And, um, mm-hmm. and you now have the uh, division. Democrats have become a, a communist socialist party, they, and they are pushing out any of the moderates, any the Jack Kennedy wouldn't, and Hubert Humphrey, in Democrats of errors when I was growing up, they would not recognize this Democratic Party of AOC and Tom Perez, a La Raza radical uh, for, who came up in the Justice Department and harassed Sheriff Arpaio, and now he's running the Democratic Party and moving it in the socialist direction. The American people, I don't think, are going to tolerate this. And uh, what we, uh, you know, I'm also very, see the, the demonization of hydroxychloroquine and the taking of this COVID-19, and the Democrats seem to want to shut down the country forever, destroy the economy, blame President Trump for recommending a 70-year-old medication that uh, has been deemed safe by physicians over the last decades, and they're taking a, a problem of this QT interval that affects very few people. Yes, it's an issue. It has to be looked at. You can't get hydroxychloroquine over the counter. But the point is, you don't demonize just the COVID-19 takers and say the lupus patients who have been chronically taking hydroxychloroquine for decades or the rheumatoid arthritis patients, they don't have a QT interval problem. It doesn't even make logical sense. It's political, and I think the American people are tired of Dr. Fauci and these other CDC and NIH. By the way, those are not government organizations. They're 501c3 foundations with a public-private part working with big pharmacy. It's owned by big pharmacy, and it's not a governmental organization in the true sense of the word. And Fauci's done the same thing he's doing today, when the AIDS crisis came up, and I invite everybody to go read a book from 1990 by Bruce Nussbaum, N-U-S-S-B-A-U-M, called Good Intentions, which they said Fauci did the same thing. He let AIDS patients die while he waited for a big pharmaceutical solution, AZT, which uh, the Burroughs Welcome made billions of dollars on. And Fauci holds patents. These doctors are allowed to hold patents on various treatments for elements in the HIV disease, uh, some of which have already appeared in COVID-19. And I'm predicting we'll get into COVID-20, which I think is coming. 
I'm writing about that in CourseyNation.com, and those patents will be paid handsomely. Now, they were assigned to HHS, but I haven't seen the assignment, and all these doctors getting their patents, working for the CDC and the NIH, as Fauci has for 30 years, strike me as they're in it for the money and for themselves and for big pharmacy. Yeah. All right. Jerry, Jerry Corsi, Dr. Jerome Corsi, uh, again, CorsiNation.com and his most recent book of uh, 25 books in the last uh, couple of minutes, it seems, in the last about 15 years, Coup d'etat, exposing deep state treason and the plan to, to reelect President Trump over at Post Hill Press, uh, available wherever you get books. Uh, thanks very much, Jerry. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again soon. We appreciate it. And Ed, I appreciate what you're doing and with uh, the Eagle Forum. And uh, I sorely miss Phyllis Lafley. Oh, yeah, we all do. We sure do. She was a great fan of yours. She admired your work. So thanks very much, uh, Dr. Corsi. Dr. Drum Corsi, again, CorsiNation.com. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now continuing that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The scourge of sports gambling is on the rise in America today. In California, Indian tribes are gathering signatures on petitions to put sports gambling at tribal casinos on the ballot in November. Professional sports leagues used to be strongly opposed to allowing gambling on their games, but money-grabbing greed is quickly overtaking their family values. People who bet on games are more likely to watch them, and that may help curb the general decline in television ratings. When the Houston Astros stole signs to help them win the World Series a few years back, it should have sobered America up on the dangers of sports gambling. Yet Major League Baseball now stands with the NFL and the NBA in wanting people gambling on their games. Virginia is the latest state to jump on the sports gambling bandwagon in the hopes of making a quick buck by taxing gamblers. The Democrat-controlled Virginia legislature also authorized casinos for nearly a half a dozen cities in Virginia, including the state capital of Richmond. The only thing standing in their way is a few local referenda, but it's unlikely pro-family groups will stand a chance against the full weight of the well-funded gambling lobby. Elections have consequences, and the people of Virginia are getting a sad lesson in this reality. The historic city of Richmond will be invaded by slot machines and roulette wheels thanks to the Democrats who swept to power last November. When the same legislature passed outrageous gun control legislation, more than 100 towns in Virginia responded by announcing that they will not comply with the unconstitutional provisions. There's even been talk of rural areas breaking away from the deep state-controlled northern Virginia, where many of the residents either work for the federal government or make big money lobbying it. Still, you can't outrun the corrupting influence of sports gambling. As more and more states give more and more power to the hucksters who lobby for it, it's becoming that much harder for other states to resist. With organized sports in this time of the coronavirus in temporary hiatus, now is the time to stand and fight against sports gambling. We don't need our favorite sports corrupted and our children targeted. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. 
Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Got a couple of things to wrap up today. You have to be very careful, very careful here on the Pro-America Report, how we do this next topic. You, uh, listeners, Close listeners of the program remember that my wife is a physician. She's an internal medicine doctor, a physician who takes care of, uh, of, of people um, like a general medicine doctor. You know, you take care of them, but she specialized in geriatrics. She loves old people. She loves old people. She loves being a doctor for old people. She's really good at it. And so consequently, I'm very aware and have been for a long time of, uh, of the reality of care for our elderly, for our seniors and the reality of the high cost of it and the reality of the, um, uh, gray tsunami that's coming, the number of people who are going to live into their 80s and 90s wonderfully and the challenges they're going to face. So I'm aware of all that stuff. I'm also kind of aware of uh, all the different dementia tests and the fact that there's Alzheimer's and other early onset dementia issues, but then there's also just general dementia. And then I learned a lot. I mean, it's amazing to be married to someone who's so smart. So I'm very careful when I kind of go into this next topic. But there was a headline uh, just a couple days ago, two days ago, and I, I clipped it to save it. And the headline is from Frank Bruni of the New York Times. Now, Frank Bruni of the New York Times is a rabid liberal. I mean, when I say rabid, I don't know if he's actually rabid, but I mean, he's always liberal. He himself, I think, is a, he's a gay rights activist. I think he may be, maybe he's married to a man. I'm not sure. Something like, but he's very, very rabidly um pro the left wing agenda on everything hates Trump. Okay. Hates Trump and all that. But even I was surprised to see the headline on his recent column. The headline was I'll take Biden's confusion over Trump's corruption. Let's not repeat the false equivalence of 2016 by Frank Bruni. Now, when you read the column, you, sometimes people will say, well, the headline that the um, yeah, the headline or the title of the column was written by a different set of editors. When you read this column, it's clear Frank Bruni goes into all of it. He basically concedes what has now become clear on the Internet, which is that you can just get a, a, a recent video image of Joe Biden as recently as three or four years ago and compare it to today. And it's a marked decline he, he just, I mean, we all look different as we get older. We all sound different. And, you know, there's lots of images um, of President Trump in the 80s and 90s. He spoke, um, they say he spoke more sophisticatedly. There was a study of this. They said uh, Trump used to used to speak in, in the level of, a, I don't know, a 12th grader, you know, and then now he speaks as a sixth grader. I've always maintained that that's because Trump did TV for 14 years or whatever, and he learned to speak at the level of the, you know, the highest, um, you know, w- with the, the greatest common denominator. I think it's a very intentional, but here's my point on this. Frank Bruni writes this, um, uh, column and he basically concedes that Joe Biden is confused. He uses the term, not me. Biden's confusion. It's not Biden's, um, uh, plagiarism that happened in the past. It's not by Biden's touchiness. That's, that's a a known thing, all that stuff in terms of touchy touchy that he does on people, hugs him, kisses him and all not, not even withstanding the Tara Reid allegations. No, Joe, Joe uh, Biden's confusion is what Frank Bruni is saying. Hey, 
you know, we, we don't have to worry about this. Now, what does he mean? Does he really mean that it doesn't matter if Joe Biden is confused? <coughs> Pardon me. Is that what he really means? No, it's not what he really means. What he really means is he doesn't care if Joe Biden is confused or is deteriorating. Why? Because Frank Bruni knows Joe Biden's already said who's going to run the country. I, I, I said this three or four months ago. I said, if Joe Biden is the nominee, who do they think is going to run the country? It's not going to be him. No matter what you think about Obama or what you think about Trump, these guys were on top of their game in terms of intelligence, in terms of um, ability to see what's going on, ask questions, all that stuff. I would say Obama was really, really smart. I think he's very, very, very intelligent guy. I think that Trump is really smart, but he's also a CEO type. So he's made decisions his whole life. So he knows how to do it. it, it Joe Biden, even Frank Bruni concedes is not really up for the job. Why doesn't he care, Frank Bruni? He doesn't care because it doesn't matter to him who the president is, because he knows that around the president will, who running this country, if Joe Biden won, would be all the same people that put this country in peril with the Obamagate. I mean, Biden's already listed them out. He said he would put Susan Rice in here and Donilon in there and this and there and that in there. It would be the, the, the Democrat class, the permanent Democrat class of power brokers would be back in charge. The ones that had Eric, Eric Holder would be one of the ones advising him. All these same kinds of people. But think about that. You're not, I mean, maybe it's refreshing. Maybe Frank Bruni is being refreshing to admit that Biden's slipped so much that his confusion is better. He goes on to say Trump's corruption. Give me a break. It's the stupidest argument. Such a, such a false argument that Trump is corrupt. He's lost more money by being president personally than you could ever imagine. And yet, the point here is, guys like uh, uh, Bruni know it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what uh what who the president is for them as long as the the power brokers of the permanent democrat establishment the far left all these people be back in charge and they can do what they were doing under obama which is gut the military the feminization of the military you know give in to our allies roll over for china they don't actually stand up for the little people which is what aoc says they will they don't they're just a different set of the permanent class the swamp that are going to be in charge that's what frank bruni said take him at his word Take him his word. I do. All right. We'll wrap things up. Thank you for being here. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our fearless technical director, for keeping everything on time and, and tightened up. Thank you to Joanna for booking things, booking great guests like today. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Shh.